Welcome to Mill Liberty, the voice of liberty for a new generation. Alright, Joe Walsh, Matt Kitty, John Sasso, welcome to Mill Liberty. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Hey, Caleb, I mean this. It's great to be with you. Thank you for the invite. This week, we are going to be going over the myths and realities that surround monopolies. Teddy Roosevelt hated, hated small government. The gateway into space will help alleviate a lot of this problem. It was a fateful era we took 100 years ago with this kind of monopolization of banking and centralization of money and credit. Automation, streamlined productivity, and cost-effectiveness. There's two big government parties, and one of them is, is red and one of them is blue. We are creating a community of liberty lovers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Mill Liberty Podcast. I am Caleb Franz, your host, and it is so good to have you on board here on this week. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Uh, It is finally the new year and the new decade. It's so good to have you on board. I must apologize that we were supposed to have this released on Thursday, but unfortunately, Um, Around the time that I was planning on recording, I had lost my voice, um, so we weren't able to get that out, Uh, but we we still have it out uh, nonetheless, so we are going to move forward, and then after this episode that is being released on, if you're listening to this uh, a day after it's released, it's released on a Monday, after this episode it will return back to Thursdays for its regularly released schedule. So with that being said, uh, I want to get straight into it because we have a great guest today. Uh, Today we have on Joshua Smith. He is running for the chair position of the Libertarian Party. Now the last person we had on that was running for the chair position, uh, Todd Hagopian, he has since dropped out and I think Joshua is certainly just as qualified and and just as bright and intelligent of an individual to be leading the Libertarian Party as much as Todd was. And uh, they've even somewhat collaborated a little bit on, on how to sort of grow that since since they uh, since since Todd dropped out. So I'm really excited to to have you listen to my conversation um, with Joshua. The reason I'm having so many libertarian um, individuals, people from the Libertarian Party on um, is because, not because necessarily I'm trying to promote the party per se, but I do want to show people that there there is another way. There is another option out there. It's not just the two-party duopoly. You're not stuck with Donald Trump. You're not stuck with whoever the Democrats are. There are more viable alternatives and that's the first point. The second point is that I want to show people sort of what I've been seeing within the Libertarian Party, which is is very optimistic. I would not, if, if I believed that the Libertarian Party was sort of going in a downward spiral, I would not be bringing as many of them on as what I have been over the past year or so, or even in the past six months. Um, that's because I see something that's that's truly good that's happening at the uh, Libertarian Party, um, and it's good for the broader liberty movement. 
as a whole. Not only having another option is is good, but also having a, a solid, safe home for libertarianism. The biggest problem, the, the biggest uh, elephant in the room, obviously, is still the current chair, Nick Sarwak, who is... I, I, I just... I, every once in a while, I really try to give him uh, another chance to sort of show himself, and, and sometimes he'll he'll tweet something or he'll say something on television. He's usually very good in, in certain interview settings if it's sort of a soft interview, um, but when push comes to shove with him, uh, it just really showcases everything that is wrong with the, the Libertarian Party currently, and I hate saying that. I truly do, but it... His uh, direction that he's been taking the Libertarian Party, not of being a Libertarian Party, but of trying to be basically a party of John Kasich's with a Libertarian skin by bringing people like Bill Weld over uh, and and sh- and shunning people like Ron Paul and Tom Woods and all these other uh, individuals who who really understand the philosophy and the backbone. I don't think it's outrageous. Now, you don't have to be a bomb thrower. I, I do think that there is something to be said about, you know, uh, having a bunch of people um, who, who can relate to a lot of different people. You don't have to necessarily be a bomb thrower who's going to call everyone a statist if they slightly disagree with them. But you need someone who actually believes in libertarianism, someone who's actually libertarian. That is so vitally important. If, if, if your own base doesn't believe in what you're trying to accomplish, that's a problem. You're never going to be able to win the majority of the country if you can't even win over the majority of your own base. And that is a problem that I've been trying to find a solution for over the past year or so. And fortunately, I found a lot of individuals who feel the same way. And, and I'm sort of bringing on, I don't want to put too many words in his mouth, but we you'll hear the conversation. I think you'll see uh, many of the same sentiments uh, that Joshua shares as well. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you. I, I'm not going to spend too much time talking here because I really want to get into the interview. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation uh, with Joshua Smith, who is running for the Libertarian Chair uh, of the Libertarian Party here on Liberty. Joshua, uh, welcome to the Maliberty Podcast. I am very happy to have you on board. Uh, welcome aboard. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you having me. So uh, I've, I've been seeing you around uh, on Twitter a lot uh, recently, and you have been running a very um, engaging uh, campaign for the LP chair. First of all, let's uh, let's just try to get to know you a little bit better and, and have my audience the chance to get to know you a little bit better. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to run for this race. Yeah, sure. So really, you know, my story with libertarian uh, philosophy and politics starts uh, sometime around 2005. Uh, you know, I, I was in the United States Navy. Uh, I was a big part of the shock and awe campaign during Operation Iraqi Freedom. I was attached to the USS Constellation, and and that was essentially where uh, the the vast majority of the ordnance came from that landed on Baghdad. So I was extremely jaded with the military-industrial complex after that. Um, you know, when I got home, I didn't really want to be a part of war anymore. I knew that war was 
just a constant waste of human life and and um, you know our hard-earned tax dollars and and so I I was a prior to that I was a really pretty hardcore neocon uh, you know Republican and and I joined the military after 9/11 because I you know I wanted to I wanted to go and fight the bad guys and so um, it kind of kind of made me question everything I was doing in life and uh, I didn't really fit in with either the, the two old parties anymore it seemed. Uh, neither of them were really anti-war. Um, you know, there were some vocal anti-war left-leaning uh, people in the Democratic Party during George Bush's terms, uh, but after that, once Obama took over, they were gone. Um, and so, uh, I found Ron Paul in 2007. I think I was, honestly was like sitting at a bar or something with friends, and and he was on the TV talking about blowback, and it just blew my mind to have. This man standing up there talking about how we're creating terrorists, you know, and, and half the time we fund funded the terrorist group that we're now at war with. And sure. um, so it, it really just kind of opened my mind uh, to, to some possibilities that I hadn't um, prior knowledge of. And um, so I campaigned for Ron Paul in 2008 uh, during the Occupy movement. If you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. I was uh, – you know, I, I live about 20 minutes outside of Oakland, so I was actually going to the Oakland Occupy movement and trying to get a lot of pretty hardcore anarchists and and uh, uh, left libertarians and and uh, you know full on communists to come and vote for Ron Paul. So it was an interesting time for me, and it it kind of gave me my outreach chops, you know. <laughs> right, right. And uh, 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 so I joined the the Libertarian Party for the first time sometime around 2010. And I was a pretty hyped up activist. I'd worked on a couple campaigns and um, I, I I just kept reaching out to national. I sent several emails. I couldn't never, I didn't realize there were state affiliates or local affiliates and no one ever really got back to me, you know? So I just continued this own, my own brand of activism for quite some time. And I helped found Think Liberty. If you're familiar with Think Liberty, the page. Yes. And, yeah. And I, a couple other outlets as well I've worked with. And then in 2016, I'm looking at this, uh, this election and I'm going, there's no way in hell I'm voting for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. It's just not going to happen, you know? And, and so I, I knew about Gary already from his 2012 run. I liked him a lot in 2012. So I said, I'm going to work on this guy's campaign here in Southern Washington. So I started campaigning for Gary. Um, and I found this, the Washington state affiliate. I was living in Southern Washington at the time. And I, I showed up to my first state convention in 2016. And, uh, they, I was the only one from my region that showed up to that state convention. So they made me a region rep on the spot. I mean, I really couldn't say no. And I started working on building affiliates there in Southern Washington. And so that was like how I got involved with party leadership. And then, um, early 2017, mid, mid 2017, I guess I, you know, there was people who had problems with current leadership and some of the, the fights that um, – more specifically, Nicholas Sarwark had picked with some of the bigger name libertarians around the country. and mm-hmm. So I called a bunch of the bigger name libertarians that I knew and I said, hey, is there any way we can get you to run for chairman? And everyone was just kind of like, you're crazy. It's an unpaid, <laughs> volunteered position uh, and Nick is widely renowned as one of the most popular uh, and successful chairmans ever. So, mm-hmm. so I kept, you know, calling people, everyone kept turning me down. And finally I said, you know, I have think Liberty. We got about 12,000 daily, daily followers right now. I'm just going to put out a, a, an intent to run statement for the 2018 uh, convention and see what happens. And I never expected it to blow up. I never expected it to really gain any traction. 
you know, I didn't expect to be this, this figure that everyone around the movement knew. Uh, but I mean, within a month of me putting that thing out, I was raising money. I was traveling to, to conventions. I ended up traveling to 26 states in 2018. And when it was all said and done, I took uh, almost a quarter of the vote, you know, as a blue collar working class uh, West Coast guy that no one really knew. So that's a pretty big deal, you know, and I ended up, I ended up, uh, drop when I, when I lost, I dropped down and, and, uh, um, said that I would be running for an at-large position on the, on the LNC. So I won that. I was the third highest vote getter out of 30 or 47 candidates or something. And so I am an at-large representative of the Libertarian National Committee now. And um, back in God, June, I think it was, you know, I, I was looking around and again, no one was really stepping up. And I, I really think that we can do better in the Libertarian Party. And so I just decided I was going to do it again. I had a, a talks with a lot of people that I respect a lot and they asked me to do it. And so I decided to do it again. And, you know, I've already, I've already booked eight conventions. And <laughs> so we're back, <laughs> back on the trail now. And, and uh, I start with uh, the Libertarian Party of Georgia State Convention next weekend, which I believe is the 18th, 19th. So that's where we're at today. And that's how I kind of, you know, ended up here. But uh, as far yeah, as far as libertarian ideals, it was Ron Paul, and then I found Murray Rothbard, and uh, it's just a window that once you open it, you cannot close it any longer. So whenever um, whenever you really started getting involved into the Libertarian Party, what were some of the bigger uh, issues that you started to see? Uh, obviously, you alluded to to Nick's sort of you know going after a, a couple of the the bigger names there, but I, I think that um, you know I've had a lot of people who uh, on this program who are both inside of the Libertarian Party and a lot of people who um, are not inside the Libertarian Party but still very much care about the trajectory of, of not just the Libertarian Party but just the third party viability in general. Um, and they look at the Libertarian Party and it's it's usually depressive to, to sort of look at the state of it because, you know, Nick likes to... to to play up the the results of you know 2016 as a as a big win, but at the end of the day, you know those are still the two most um, unlikable candidates that you could possibly be running against, and and to still come in so short is is a little bit disappointing. Yeah, so, those numbers those numbers for us were completely mediocre. I'll never I'll never ever try and uh, pass that off as some huge victory. We should have taken 15 percent of the vote in that right, election. At least. Right. It, it, it should have been easy for us to become a, a major national party in 2016. It wasn't handled greatly. I think Gary was a little lackluster in 2016 compared to his 2012 race. I think mm -hmm. Bill Weld was an absolute tragedy train wreck for that campaign trail. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, and 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 I, people are mad at me for saying that, but look what he did. You know, he he turned off tons of small L libertarians around the country, and they still got four million votes. Yeah, could you imagine? Could you imagine? And, 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 you know, I think, I think leadership has been setting this tone in the Libertarian Party for so long that we want to be like the two old parties, that people have started to think that we're like the two old parties. And in fact, we are the antithesis of, of 
those politics of the, the Democrats and the Republicans. We are the antithesis. We are the ones that are coming in and saying no more of your bullshit. And so if we're not going to act like we're the antithesis, then we become like the two old parties. The people who are already aligned with the Republicans and Democrats don't need to go to another party that's like one of theirs. And the 61% of the population that didn't vote in 2016 sure as hell isn't going to join a third party that's just like the other two parties, you know? Yeah. So we, we have to stake our claim and say this is who we are and this is how we're going to handle things. And I just think we didn't do a very good job of that in 2016. And I think it was a leadership culture that had been, you know, kind of gearing us up for that. And, and, you know, that's kind of where I come from. My whole thing last in 2018 was we have to make this the party of principle once more, you know, we have to stay strong in our principles because that is ultimately what is going to bring more people to our causes. When they see that we are standing on top of our principles, when we are being that antithesis to the the politics as usual. And so that's that's where I came from. And, and you know, like I said, I, I've said this several times, I think Nick has done a, a great job with a lot of things. Nobody in the Libertarian Party runs a convention or meeting like Nick does. And I, and I do a good job. I'm not bad. But I have my fundamental issues with the current leadership and the way leadership has been over the last, you know, almost decade. So, so what are some... Um personal strategies that you're you're advocating for and you're vouching for to to grow the the libertarian party to become what it it truly could be um i had i had todd hagopian on before he, he dropped out um and i i think that was an area that he really excelled in was sort of his his strategy for for um grassroots uh growth um, do you have any sort of strategy like that um, and, and I, I know, I, I believe I saw somewhere where you, you had, uh, spoken, uh, with him right around the time of, of him dropping out. So I wonder if you sort of chatted about that at all. Sure. And, 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 you know, the Todd father, as we like to call him and myself, we, <laughs> we were, we were running against each other, but at the end of the day, Todd had some great ideas. Yeah. Todd's. Todd's a great businessman. That's what he does. And, and when Todd dropped out, I, I immediately went to Todd and I said, Hey man, I want to bring some of your ideas to the LNC, whether I win this or not, let me help out where I can and, and help me out where I can, you know? So I think going, going forward, I think me and Todd are going to be resources for each other and all kinds of stuff. I like Todd a lot. He's, he's nice as pie, nicest guy. Um, I, you know, I think had Todd spent more time working with the party prior to his run, I probably wouldn't have even needed to run for, for chair, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so um, I just know how the delegates treat things because I was that guy in 2018 that nobody knew and they treated me pretty poorly. You know, I, I got attacked from every angle. And so, um, but yeah, as far as plans go, you know, I've, I've laid out this aggressive media strategy, which I think is super important for this party. We, we have been extremely historically bad at getting media and a lot of it is that, that kind of mentality where it's like, well, the media is not coming to us, so who cares? We'll do a bunch of podcasts all the time, and that's what we're going to do. And, and podcasts are great. I think sometimes we get outside the bubble. Last night I was on Dad Talk. You know, that's kind of outside the bubble. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, you know, I like to do that kind of stuff, but we need to have a media team in this party. And I've talked about building a regional media strategy where we have a, a media person in every all eight regions of the Libertarian Party, right? So it's broken down in regions throughout the country. So we have a, a, a dedicated media person. Who's the best person in the Northeast that I can get to be a media person there? Larry Sharp, right? Yeah, so, now Larry, yeah. so, so now Larry Sharp's looking for media opportunities up in the Northeast, right? 
And he can go and take those media opportunities on behalf of the party, right? These are people that we trust to go and, and spin our message in a way that uh, uh, is welcoming to people outside. And so we have people like that in all our regions. We just need to send them down and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a media hit squad. We're going to go out there and we're going to look for all the possible media opportunities. And we're going to work as a team to take those, me those media opportunities. Because it's not all about me. I don't always have to be the face of the party and do all the media I, I wouldn't mind doing media, but having that kind of help is going to get us in front of a million more people, you know? And mm -hmm. so that's the number one thing. And then, and then the messaging from the party, I think we need to have a chair that's going to sit down and make focused messaging goals, right? What are our top three most important issues? How can we drive those home? Then we start working on how do we make viral focused uh, marketing campaigns that we can start at the top from the LNC and push down to the states. All the materials we have, push them down to the states, push them down to the local level, and then we put them all out at the same time. That puts us in front of millions of people at the same time with the same message. It's beautiful. It's and it's not hard to do. It doesn't cost us a bunch of money. You know, we make a graphic, we come up with a hashtag. Every single one of the state parties puts it out from their state page at the same time. You know, your party members share it out. I mean, you, you it spirals out. It's a, it's a big, huge tree, right, of, of just one simple marketing uh, campaign that was put out from, from National. So those are the kind of things we really need to start focusing on. And then candidate growth and, and recruitment and education. I talked a lot about this in 2018. We have great people all over the country, hardworking, dedicated activists that want to run for office, but they have no idea how to do it. None. It's not easy to just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to run for governor or I'm going to run for city council. You have to learn. How do I file? How do I file, you know, my, my, uh, contributions. How do I build a campaign team? You shouldn't even start a campaign unless you've sat down and written out a full campaign plan, right? And so people don't even know that, that what a campaign plan is. And so if we had easily uh, digestible materials, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about lpaction.org here, is it's a, it's a website that the party built and it hasn't been updated since 2016 and it was a it was originally meant for this but it just needs more content so we have people like tim hagan you know the national treasurer for the for the libertarian national committee who's amazing at all things fec why don't we make a video with tim on how to you know file this or file that and and put it on lpaction.org now we have a centralized location with all of these marketing or all of these materials for new candidates to go and look at now they have time to focus on the messaging of their campaign and getting out there and meeting their community and and showing how their principles can enrich their lives instead of having to focus all their times on all their time on the minutiae and all this little stuff that they don't know how to do they have all those resources at hand so i think you know they're the biggest mouthpieces of this party the candidates, they're the ones who go out into their communities and talk about libertarian policy to, to the masses. And so we need to be there to support them. That's why we have leadership in the first place. So those are my big, big three areas. Obviously, I, you know, I'm the number one recruiter on, on the LNC right now. Uh, so I put a big, heavy emphasis on, on uh, membership. I think membership what keeps our lights on. Um, it's how we pay for our headquarters. It's how we can financially help candidates and build things like LPAction.org. So though, that's always going to be a big focus for me, uh, probably number one over all the other stuff. But those three things I think we can improve a lot on, and it'll make a huge difference for the Libertarian Party. 
So um, one thing that that I've sort of noticed over the past uh, the past few years that have been somewhat bothersome um, to me under under the current leadership has been that it, it feels like anyone who sort of steps outside of I guess the acceptable um, viewpoint of what libertarianism should be uh, from the top uh, not necessarily is shunned, but kind of feels like they're not part of the cool club, the cool kids club. Um, and like, for example, uh, abortion is, is an issue that, that tends to come up frequently on, uh, for, for a lot of people, um, that just really separates them and the party doesn't necessarily make them feel like they're, like they're welcome. Um, if if you become LP chair, what what would your strategy be in in making those types of individuals, um, you know, people who are really really there on ninety percent of the issues or, or even eighty percent of the issues, maybe a few issues they they could be a little bit coached uh, towards one way or another. Um, what what's your strategy in trying to bring them in rather than sort of pushing them away? Well, again, I think that that's a culture that's been been bred by our current chairman. I mean, he, you know, he's he's the one that's gone on the the offensive against people like Tom Woods and Dave Smith and and even Scott Horton and Ron Paul. And it's like these are the people who have built the philosophy that we have a a, par, a political party centered around, you know. And I think having a chairman that sets that that culture is going to make a huge difference right off the bat. And, and and I always talk about this because it seems like those same people who have to be libertarian purists to the point of they will drive anybody away that doesn't agree on all points are the same people that went in there and elected Bill Weld as the vice presidential candidate. <laughs> right. You know, so it's yeah. always a bit, it's always a bit hypocritical to me, but uh, I just think that it's a, it's a, you know, it's a culture that needs to be set by the chairman. And I think that we have a chairman currently that sets a separate kind of culture and, and, uh, and that's, that'll change right away. I mean, and I, and I just, I don't think it's a hard change. I think you walk in there on day one and you say, Hey man, this is, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to focus on. And we're not going to attack people from the national platform. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's gonna, that's gonna really, that, that'll trickle down. I'm yeah. sure. So uh, we're we're in a presidential election year, um, as you know, and as everyone knows, it's it's uh, it's quite the the news cycle. Um, what, in in your opinion, I, I don't want you to you know name any particular names, or that's not what I'm necessarily trying to get out from you. Uh, what type of of candidate are you really um, looking for to get the sort of most out of? And again. It, People, I'm I'm not interested in in, in necessarily like a, a specific person or anything like that. But what type of candidate are are you really hoping to get out of uh, to be able to run this election cycle um, in in 2020 against Donald Trump and and against whoever the the Dems put up after their circus ends? <laughs> after being burned uh, the last several deck uh, the last several cycles, I am simply looking for a libertarian. Mm -hmm. Simply, I want somebody who's going to go out there and be a loud and proud libertarian for libertarian principles. Um, you know, and I think we have some great people running and there's a lot of people who are worried about, uh, well, that person doesn't have a lot of visibility and this person, you know, and they, and they'll sacrifice a lot of those principles for somebody who seems more viable. But at the end of the day, here's, here's the thing. We're up against people that will napalm your children. 
Okay. <laughs> this is this is this is those are the words of Michael Heist, the founder of the Mises Caucus. By the way, we're up against people who will napalm your children. We we don't need people who are offended over words. We need soldiers, and um, I, I think our presidential candidate needs to be the same way. And and here's why. We know that we're not going to win a presidential election in 2020 as a Libertarian Party. It's it, it, Nobody is under any illusion that that's going to happen. But what we do get to do is go on a 50-state media tour talking about our principles and educating the populace to become more libertarian. And so I want somebody who's a good educator who's going to go out there and talk about the issues and how libertarian policy can, can enrich the lives of, of America. Americans, blue collar, middle class, lower class Americans. And so that's what I want. I want a libertarian. And I think, you know, some of the smaller names in our in our uh, current election, they're good people. I think they're good for that. I think Jacob Horberger is great. Uh, you know, I think Dan Berman's done a great job. I think even Adam Kokesh has done some great things. And uh, Kim Ruff, who unfortunately dropped out this weekend from the race, she was great. And, you know, we have some great, great people out there. And, and then Berman is out there doing some crazy things, but he's, he's getting the party some attention, which is nice, you know, um, even if I don't always agree with all the things he says. And, and so people are starting to look in and that's great. That's what we need. And so I'm a libertarian that's going to go out there and educate the public. We know, we know they're not going to win. Uh, the important things for the, the libertarian candidate to remember are, uh, one, they are going to be working to help keep ballot access in many states with their with their candidacy. That's something that we're going to have to focus on. Uh, we don't want to lose ballot access in 10 or 15 states. It, it makes life very, very miserable for the rest of the Libertarian Party. Um, and two, down ballot candidates, right? So if you're building a spotlight on the Libertarian Party, you're also helping down ballot candidates, right? Because in the, in the same election cycle, there'll be tons of down ballot candidates. Uh, we want people to see that L. And know what that L means and other L's that are running down ballot. And so those are the two things I really hope that our candidates will keep in mind when they when one of them ultimately gets the nomination is that uh, we need ballot access and we need down ballot candidates to get helped. uh, And we need you to go out on a 50 state media tour and educate people as to what libertarianism is and what the libertarian party is for. What um, what what are you hoping that? the LP really makes their, their claim or their stake, that issue that is sort of the, you know, no other party is going to touch, but the LP can really stick a claim and say, this is the issue that, uh, you know, back in 2008, Ron Paul did this with, with war and the fed. Um, it, it, maybe that is that issue or maybe it's another one. Maybe it's like criminal justice, uh, there, there's, there's countless things, but maybe, maybe even there's a, a handful of things that, that you'd like to see, but what are those things that you just, instead of focusing on every single issue, sort of in a Andrew Yang style, uh, setting, putting every single issue that you could possibly think of on your campaign site, um, like what, what handful of things that really just gets the message across, are you hoping to come across for this year? Well, the warfare state's got to be number one, in my opinion. It's it's got to be number one. The warfare state is killing us. It's creating enemies around the world. It's uh, a third of our national budget. It, it takes uh, our own sons and daughters' lives. Uh, I, I just was reading that uh, Trump literally is loaning, uh, renting out troops to Saudi Arabia for a billion dollars. Yeah, that's your that's your sons and your yep. daughters being rented out without a care for their lives. 
So this is something we have to address. And the Libertarian Party is the only party that has maintained this anti-war principle since its inception in 1971. And we need to be at the forefront of that that movement all the time, constantly. It's an issue that people across the entire spectrum agree with us on. There's no reason that we shouldn't be uh, working to, to unite the anti-war movement. It's only going to help our causes, but it's also going to uh, you know go towards something extremely important. The drug war is something that we really got to talk about when we have people serving life in prison for a plant, but there's people, uh, it, there's governments that are actually making tax money off of that same plant now currently around the country. Uh, people should not be locked up for that anymore. It's ridiculous. We need to get those people released. They need to move on with their lives. We need to uh, stop locking people in you know, these violent uh, criminal uh, factories, essentially is what it is. It makes people more brutal. Uh, it brutalizes them. And for what? For putting something in our body? I think the drug war is something that we have to address constantly all the time. It's also something that we've wasted a trillion dollars on. Uh, you know, those those have to be up front. Anything that says war in it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, um, and then after that, we could talk about a lot of stuff. The Fed, uh, the Department of Education, how wasteful it's been with, you know, without uh, raising or even really saying the same on, on uh, test scores around the country. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can talk about, but the, the war, the anti-war sentiment needs to be the most important thing to our presidential candidate. And, and I guarantee you, as soon as one of them gets the nomination, I'm going to be on the phone with them saying, hey, please get in touch with Scott Horton. We need you to sit down with him and brush up on what's going on in the Middle East because we have to stop that and we need to be the loudest and proudest party about those issues. On on that note, I, I think that's a really important uh, point because this that literally is uh, those those two issues. Uh, the warfare state is literally life and death for so many people, and and the drug war or, or criminal justice issues that's literally freedom versus slavery or imprisonment um, for so many people as well. So I think those two are are, are very good issues to sort of choose. Um, but do, I, I found that, uh, especially, this might not necessarily be the case more recently, but in, in, in history, I think a lot of people look at libertarians as sort of the, the people to point out um, the, the critiques in, in a lot of solutions. But you have people like Bernie, despite the fact that his ideas may be crazy, he's putting forward actual solutions. So when you, when you bring up those sort of issues... Um, do you see that uh, putting up more uh, solutions to foreign policy issues rather than just saying, like, obviously the warfare state is bad, um, but a lot of people are going to say, well, what are we going to do about X, Y, and Z? Sure. And I think that's something that the libertarians, again, have historically been bad at. We, we rarely remember that we have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. We're real good at pointing the finger at you and saying, your policy is really bad. This is why it's bad. And then we walk away. We never explain. And this is what we can do to fix it. And so or I if, do believe, if, if anything, we don't lead with it. It's usually an afterthought. Sure, sure. We, we have to give solution-based ideas. I mean, it's, it's extremely important. Uh, you know, pe people around the country that, you know, 92% of the people around this country 
uh, are you know statists in some form. They believe that there should be some government. And if we can't convince them why we should roll back some of their favorite departments, uh, we're going to continue to lose. And so mm-hmm. it's absolutely important that we give solutions. And that's, you know, I've talked a lot about how I would treat welfare. If I was the presidential candidate, I'd want to treat it like they treated the post office where they, you know, they said, okay, we're going to open the market unregulated. Well, they didn't actually do this, um, but we're going to open the market to competition and uh, see how it does, right? And mm-hmm. you know, if the post office, if the U.S. post office went out of out of business tomorrow, we'd probably all be a lot better off. None of us would care, that's for sure. We definitely stop getting junk mail. Uh, <laughs> we could still get our parcels delivered because we have UPS and DHL and and FedEx and all these other com- companies that are amazing. They get they pay their employees fairly well. Uh, they they do a good service, you know, you get your, your stuff pretty quickly. Um, and, and all of us will be like, Oh, whatever, who cares? I just got to go buy my stamps at the grocery store now, you know? And so, yeah. um, I, I would, I would like to treat welfare like that. Okay. Well, we're going to keep this welfare program. Uh, we may find, find some other ways to kind of tweak it, but we're going to keep this open the market unregulated to charities that want to, want to, um, be successful in, in this, area in this space um and and not kill them with bureaucratic red tape because most new charities and philanthropists that come onto the scene and want to start businesses helping people are regulated out of the market in the first uh year i think it's like 90 percent of the charities that pop up they are regulated out of the market in the first year through bureaucratic red tape um and so we take we remove those barriers to entry and and i guarantee i i 100 believe that the market would provide much better for uh, people in need than a government who has to steal all of its funding from people's paychecks. And and I think if we can show people those kind of solutions, yeah, we're going to be more successful. And I, and I believe that a presidential candidate going out and talking about these things is, is extremely important. Well, um, Joshua, we are uh, running out of time here, but it has been really good to uh, speak with you um, on this podcast uh, today, I, I do want to make sure people uh, get the chance to to check you out on both social media as well as any website or anything like that that you may have. Um, so you know, please plug away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely follow me on Twitter. That's where we have the most fun. Uh, it's <laughs> the, the at sign Joshua at large, uh, all one word. That's where we can tag every politician in the country and say whatever we want to them, and I appreciate that. Um, also, my new YouTube channel that I just started, it's Fight the Despots. That's Fight the D-E-S-P-O-T-S. Um, I put out a couple of videos, most free, uh, most recently a, an anti-war video, and also I have my campaign video up there. Um, and then you can find me on Facebook at Joshua Smith LNC at large. That's my page on Facebook. Uh, it's, it's steadily growing, and I drop a lot of content there as well. And I'd love to have you guys follow me. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to message me and ask me ask me whatever you need to ask me. I, I'm always open to talk to people. Uh, I, I'll have one-on-one phone calls, whatever you need to have. All right. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you on again. And best of luck to you and your campaign. I, I'm really optimistic about the amount of, of quality people who are starting to come up uh, in, in, through the ranks uh, in in the LP. I think it, it, I'm actually very, very optimistic despite you know some issues that may have happened in the past. I'm actually very optimistic about the future of the Libertarian Party and the future of third parties in general. So uh, best of luck to you in your, in your campaign and uh, we'll have to have you on again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, Caleb. I really appreciate it. And anytime you want to have me on, let me know.
All right, and ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for us for this week's edition of the Maliberty Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here um, in 2020. If you have been here from the beginning, I thoroughly want to uh, say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And you are not going to want to miss... uh, Now, I I don't want to speak too prematurely because things can obviously change especially with the particular individual who i'm trying to book for this thursday but if all things go well if all things go uh the way i'm hoping that they're going to go then this thursday you are not going to want to miss my guest for this week um so just be on the lookout for that and with that being said we are going to uh, close out here. Please be sure to follow me at Caleb Franz on Twitter. Please be sure to follow the show uh, at Liberty on Twitter. Be sure to follow the organization at Liberty Org. Check us out on iTunes. Uh, and then also we're on Patreon. So you'll definitely want to uh, check us out there if you want to put your money where your mouth is and your support. Uh, sort of step your support up for this program. Uh, we're also on Facebook at the Maliberty Initiative. And until this Thursday, we'll see you.